Morning, everyone. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church. My name is John. I'm Douglas. Uh, and we're here to get the service started for you this morning. If this is your first time here, a special welcome to you. Welcome to Cedar Valley. We would like to get to know you just a little bit better. So give us a shout out at hello at cedarvalley.ca. Uh, comment online on chat TV. Or if you're here in person, find someone with a lanyard and they'll help you out. Yeah, um, some of the best ways to stay informed about things going on in the church and in our community is by following us on Facebook and Instagram, um, just for a lot of general updates and daily devotionals and stuff. And you can also sign up for our weekly email newsletter at cedarvalley.ca. Great. And if you've been impacted at all by our online services, hit that share button. Invite others to join us together as we gather together. And um, thanks for joining our family here at Cedar Valley. Yeah, so a couple of announcements. Um, September 12th, we have a barbecue. Um, we do. Great. Yes, I know. Who doesn't love a barbecue? Uh, yeah, we want to get this fall started right. So September 12th, we are launching our ministry year. Um, there'll be worship services online and on campus. And right afterwards, we're having a barbecue together with some awesome activities for the kids. So, we're going to yeah. have inflatables here. I, the rock wall is going to be open. All yeah. kinds of cool stuff for families, kids alike. Also, uh, Cedar Valley Kids Leaders. Now, if you're looking forward to working in the nursery, our Bible Adventure Sunday morning, Cedar Valley Kids on Wednesday night. Um, it's going to be great this fall, a little bit different, but it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a leaders meeting on Wednesday, September the 15th here at the church, 7 o'clock. And then things get going for the kids on Wednesday, September the 22nd for our midweek program. Yeah. Also, we're going to get the service started shortly here with a time of singing. Now, we have special guests. Prairie Life Bible College in Surrey. They're going to be leading us in worship this morning. So lyrics will be on the screen and you can join in as you feel comfortable. Yeah, so after that, we've got a special lesson for the kids with Jaslyn. Um, we also try uh, every week to get some interactive materials um, out to you um, for kids and parents both to engage in activities and conversations about faith together. So, yeah, if that's something you're interested in, you can email uh, Pastor Doug and, yeah, he'll get that to you. All right. And then following that, we have a special guest speaker for us this morning, bringing us our last message in our evangelism series. It's going to be Calvin Williams, who he works with Youth Unlimited right here in Mission. And he oversees the Mission Youth House called My House. He's going to be bringing us the message on how he has practiced evangelism in his life and encouraging us to do the same. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, but before we get into that, um, this morning, uh, we're going to spend some time in prayer for all the students gearing up to go back to school this week or next week. Um, yeah, for teachers, admins, and parents starting in education semester, somewhat at home, somewhat in person, depending. Yeah. That's right. Uh, speaking of school, John, you're heading off to school yourself, right? Where yeah. are you going? Uh, yeah, I'm going to UFV uh, starting in the following week. Um, yeah, I'm doing the Bachelor of Media Arts program. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of continuation of the work I've been doing at the church, so that's really cool. Um, Great. Yeah, so I'm yeah. looking forward to it. So are you staying on campus or are you living at home, taking advantage of your mom's good cooking? Uh, yes, that one. <laughs> I'm still at home for now, and yeah, I'm good with, I'm good with home-cooked meals. All right. <laughs> uh, good to hear. Well, why don't we do that, take a moment to continue in a time of prayer. Our God, we thank you for your grace, for your love, opportunity to gather, whether it's in the building at church or at home on the deck or in the living room with friends or, or just the family. Um, God, thank you um, for the gift of your spirit, of your son, Jesus Christ. Um, God, continue with us, we pray, um, this morning as we hear your word. God, as we want to see the community around us and how we can be a part of bringing love to everyone that we meet. Um, thank you for your grace, your goodness in our lives. Continue with us, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're in for a good morning. Good morning. 
hands that form the stars Are the hands that hold and heal my heart And the love that casts out fear Is the love that comes and draws me near Let's sing that again, first verse, let's do it again The hands that form the stars Are the hands that hold and heal my heart Is the love that comes and draws me near How deep, how wide Is your love for us, your love for us My soul cries out
I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living God. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory. To wear my sin and bear my shame The cross has spoken, I am forgiven The King of kings calls me His own Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever Jesus Christ, my Lord
cross's grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope hey cedar valley kids just before you hear another great lesson this morning i want to tell you some exciting things that are going to be happening just in a few days a few weeks First of all, Bible Adventures Sunday morning is going to start on September the 12th. So get ready for that. Then Cedar Valley Kids on Wednesday nights is happening starting September the 22nd. Now, if you are age three or four, you're still going to be a cubby and you're going to be blue. If you are kindergarten to grade two, you're going to be in our red group. And if you're in grade three to grade six, you're going to be in our green group. We're going colors this year. That's why I'm wearing this awesome shirt with the blue, the red, and the green on it. We're looking forward to a great time. New things are going to be happening. We're gonna do a lot of singing, some crafting, some games. Um, and hearing some awesome Bible stories and also helping others in the community as well. So look forward to that. Now, our crew, that's what we're calling all of you leaders, whether you're in the nursery, Bible Adventures, or Cedar Valley Kids Wednesday night, we're having a meeting Wednesday, September the 15th, right here at the church, 7 o'clock. We'll see you then. Hi Cedar Valley Kids, it's Jaslyn, and we're gonna be talking about a couple of things today, but we're going to start with a puzzle. So this is a piece from a puzzle that I own, and my challenge to you is to see if you can figure out what the whole puzzle looks like just looking at this one little piece of the puzzle. Okay, so look at the color, look at the texture, see if you can make a guess as to what the whole picture would be. Now, I really wish we were doing this in person in the classroom because I know you guys come up with some really fun, creative ideas. If you're watching live, you can put a comment in the comment box and adults, if you wanna play along too, you totally can. So give it your best guess, see what you think this whole image is based on just this one puzzle piece, okay? It's gonna be really hard. How about I give you one other piece to help you along, okay? Here we go. These two pieces are from the same puzzle. They don't look anything alike, do they? They don't even fit together in any way. So you're probably thinking at this point, how on earth am I supposed to figure out the whole image of the whole puzzle based on just these two little pieces? Well, that's kind of like us and God, okay? Let's say this is us. We are this one little puzzle piece. We have our little life and we know exactly what's going on, but we have no idea how we fit into God's plan. And God has a huge, beautiful, amazing plan for us that we fit into somehow, but we don't always know and we can't always see it. So when it comes to this puzzle, I've done the puzzle and I can tell you when it's all put together, when all those thousand pieces all fit together and make the image, it's beautiful. It looks really good. You're just going to have to trust me on that, that these two little pieces fit into this one beautiful image, just like how God sees the whole picture, the whole plan and how we all fit together. Now, it can be easy to think sometimes that I'm just this one little piece Am I really important to God's plan? Do I really have a purpose? Am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I can tell you right now that you absolutely are exactly where God wants you to be. There was no accident. There was no mistake. God put you in your family for a very specific purpose and for a very specific reason. He's going to put you in a very specific classroom this year with a very specific teacher. And that's not an accident. He has you there for a purpose and to do something incredible. And we can't see the whole plan. We don't know how it's all going to work out, but our job is to trust God and obey him and to understand how this is all going to work later. Okay, let's talk about a real life example. So in the Bible, 
and I'm going to hold up the Friends with God Storybook Bible because this is a really good one. This story that I'm going to talk about today is about Esther. Esther has a whole book of her own in the Bible and it is really cool. Unfortunately, I won't be able to tell you all the details this morning. So I, my second challenge is for you guys to make sure sometime this week, you read the whole story of Esther, either with your mom or your dad or your grandparent, whoever you're with, read it, start to finish, read all the details. It is fantastic. So I'm going to touch on a few points today. So Esther was living First of all, Esther was a Jew. She was part of the people of Israel and they weren't living in Israel anymore. Invaders had come in, their kingdom had fallen. Years ago, they had all been taken away to live in another country and they weren't in their own country anymore. Esther's parents had died when she was young and she was now being raised by her older cousin, Mordecai. So they're living in this country where they, it's not their home, but they're making the best of it. And so the king of the land, King Xerxes, one day got really, really frustrated with his queen and figured, I'm done with you. I'm getting a new queen and you're gone. So as a king, I guess he could do that. So he got rid of his queen and he decided to have essentially a beauty contest to choose the next queen for himself. And he opened it up to all girls of a certain age in the country and said, come on out to the palace. You're going to get makeovers. You're going to get your hair done. You're going to have spa treatments. You're going to get beautiful clothes. And then I will choose the one that I want. So Esther's cousin Mordecai says to her, you should try out. You should see if you can you know be a, be a queen and so Esther goes and she participates in all the beauty treatments she's in all of this stuff and at the end of the selection process sure enough the king picks her now what's interesting is that the Jews Esther was a Jew and she was part of that group they weren't really well liked in the country so when she had entered this sort of beauty contest her cousin had said just don't tell them you're a Jew keep that a secret for now it might come out later, but keep it quiet. So the king of this country now has a Jew for a wife, which is really interesting. And this is all part of God's plan to have Esther in a certain place at a certain time. One day, Esther learns that a, an advisor who's really close to the king hates the Jews so much that he is tricking the king into getting everybody in the country to kill all the Jews. So he's issued a statement that says on this day, this certain month, at this time, everybody can pick up their weapons and kill every Jew in the country. Every man, every woman, every child. It's horrible. The king has been tricked into this. And so Esther finds out about this and she realizes her cousin Mordecai is going to die and all of her people who are part of this Jewish group are going to die as well. So she manages to communicate with Mordecai and she's really scared. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know what her job is supposed to be. And Mordecai tells her, and this is a really interesting point. He says, maybe God made you queen for such a time as this. Maybe you are here for just this purpose. So even though Esther's really scared and she could die, she goes to the king, he doesn't get mad. And I'm gonna skip over a bunch of the details because it's really long, but it's really interesting. There's dinners, there's banquets, there's her asking for something and the king says, sure, up to half my kingdom. Eventually it comes around to her saying, please king, if it pleases you, don't let me, a Jew, and all my people be killed. And the king's surprised. He goes, who would kill the queen? Who would plot against the queen? And she points and she says, that one there, your closest advisor. And the king realizes what has happened. He reverses the whole proclamation. He tells the Jews that they are allowed to defend themselves. If anybody comes after them, he tells everybody in the country, don't kill the Jews. They're important members of our country. And Esther has managed to save her whole group of people even though she's just one tiny piece of the puzzle. She's just one little piece and she didn't know at the beginning how important she was going to be and how much influence she was going to have. She couldn't see God's whole plan, but she trusted God, she obeyed God, and she was really, really brave and she saved her whole people group, which is incredible. Okay, let's jump back to the puzzle. So, have you made any guesses? I'm really, interesting to, I'm really interested to see what you guys have come up with. 
Did anybody guess? If anybody guessed Rue Lafayette in Paris, I'm going to be astonished. So here we go. This is what the whole piece of the, the whole picture looks like. So this one that was kind of whitish and reddish, that goes up there. This one that is actually, maybe you could see it, maybe you couldn't. It's actually part of a little wine glass. That goes down there on the table. There we go. These two little pieces that didn't look very significant at the beginning, they're part of a really interesting picture with lots of details. Now that you can see the whole picture, you can see how it all comes together and how important these are with their colors and their shapes to the puzzle. Okay, so I hope you guys remember that this week and I hope that you can remember how important you are to God's plan. Now, I'm just gonna speak to the parents and the grandparents for just a second. There's something that I came across a couple months ago and it's been circulating around and it's really encouraging and it's really powerful. And I'm just gonna read a selection for you. Don't feel sorry or fear for your kids because the world they're going to grow up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know that they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Rise up to the challenge. Don't let fear steal the greatness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our sweet little babies, and we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them, but they were born for such a time as this. Never forget that God is in control, God has the plan, and God sees the whole plan. Trust God, obey God, and I hope this week as you head into your classrooms with your new friends and your new teachers that you can remember that God has a plan and you just need to trust and obey. Have a wonderful week, guys. See you later. But how can people call on him for help if they have not believed? And how can they believe in one? In one they've not yet heard of. And how can they hear? How can they hear? And how can they hear the message of life? The message of life. And how can they hear the message of life? If there's no one there to proclaim it. Hello. My name is Calvin Williams. I'm happy to know many of you as friends because I have a long history with your church going back about 37 years. When I was four years old, my mom enrolled me into the preschool here. And uh, I loved those memories. And I even loved the distinct wood paneling that is downstairs in the nursery room. It's still there after all these years. Well, I've been working for Greater Vancouver Youth Unlimited for 15 years. The mission of Youth Unlimited is as follows. Flowing out of the mission of Jesus, Youth Unlimited relationally engages in holistic work with vulnerable youth in partnership with the church and the community. In mission, Youth Unlimited runs Jester's Theatre. We're part of the team that runs Mission Youth House. We do outreach in schools and other partnered community programming, including, including teen mom ministries, substance use disorder, um, overdose prevention ministry. And much of my ministry personally, it's focused on providing care for youth experiencing homelessness and substance use struggles at Mission Youth House. So evangelism in this setting looks uh, much like removing boulders in the youth's lives. You know the parable of the farmer sowing seeds in the fields. Some seeds would land on good ground, some would land on ground with weeds, and some would land on rocky grounds. For much of these youth, their ground is covered in boulders and they need somebody 
like us to come and help remove these boulders before meaningful seeds can be planted in the ground. Our loving actions are actually removing these boulders. I have been following Jesus uh, since those preschool days, and throughout the years I've adhered to various methods of evangelism. Some would look very vocal, um, kind of in your face, and other methods were quite silent. I've participated in marches throughout major cities, waving Jesus flags behind bands on trailers, playing church music. Who remembers those March for Jesus's back in the 90s? I've done mimes and skits in public parks. I've done service projects in, in different distant locations. I've blogged online the gospel message, and I've gone door to door, and I've been on street corners telling people. One of my most memorable evangelism attempts was when I was in grade four. Back then, it was a time, people call it the satanic panic, and what that is is anything that looked evil was defined as evil and demonic. And so trick-or-treating was super controversial in the early 90s. Me as a grade four kid, I really wanted to do it. I wanted all the candy. So I thought of an idea. While going door to door, trick or treating, I would also go and hand out and give tracks with the gospel message to each door that I trick or treated at. So I went with my, my dad and my sister and we, we did this. Uh, the tracks though were quite distasteful and offensive, especially back in those days. Christians were not very sensitive in their message. It was more of the blowhorn message uh, method where you kind of hit them over the head with the gospel because they just need to hear it. And so these tracks work as a way to do that. And these particular tracks, it had a headline that says, and I remember this clearly, it said, you don't want to miss heaven by inches. And it had an image of a fabric tape measure, those flimsy kinds that you wrap around your body. And it had a picture of a measuring somebody's waist. So I went door to door and I say, trick or treat. Can I give you a track of good news? And I remember this one particular door is an overweight person who answered, and I handed them this track, and it said, they read, you don't want to miss heaven by inches. They were really offended, and they slammed the door in my face. I couldn't really understand why. I didn't get it. Evangelism methods over the years have been pretty insensitive and hurtful. Another regretful memory was when I brought two of my good friends to my youth group. And this night in particular was a Holy Spirit night. And I was excited about it because I was like, oh, finally, my friends will be able to feel God. And so the way this night worked is one of the elders of the, ch of the church would teach us how to speak in tongues. And he lined us all up on the stage and he said, we were coached to let whatever sound come out of our mouth that was there, and then that would be speaking in tongues. Whether it was, we didn't really know much of what it meant, but he says, he made it very clear, nobody's leaving this stage until everybody speaks in tongues. And my friends were really intimidated. They were definitely weirded out. And afterwards they said, Calvin, don't ever bring us back to there. I think you're part of a cult. Evangelism efforts can be done very wrong, and I've been guilty of this over the years. Words have very little value nowadays. This is pretty evident in social media. Right now, with the extreme different views that face our society today, particularly in health and political arenas, anyone can claim to have the authority they want, and they will have a large platform. Everyone gets offended all the time. People only listen to the words of people they trust and who think like them. For words to be true, they just have to come from a person who thinks like you. This change in society has a huge effect on communicating the gospel with words. It has a different impact compared to what it had years ago. I think we really need to analyze the changes in our society with our evangelism methods in light of these drastic changes. Words have less convincing power. What is impactful is our actions. There's also a growing migration of people 
leaving Christianity. Many of my friends have left Christianity, and as time goes on, this number is always increasing. Usually they leave because of some way that they were treated by the church. Very rarely it's because of something that was said to them. Very rarely it's because of words. People nowadays already know about Jesus, almost at least in the West. They've heard the gospel in some form, whether accurate or not. They hear it, God is talked about in South Park, on CNN, from Kanye West, from the presidents. All this talk in the mainstream has really tarnished the message and has very little influence now to convince people to follow Jesus. Words have less impact now. More and more it's our actions that need to propel the message of Jesus forward. In John 13 verse 35 it says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. They'll know you're Christians by your love, not necessarily by your words. Typically, if someone hears that you're a Christian just by words, then you're kind of shunned as a crazy person because of what is said in our society today. My favorite passage of scripture growing up was the parable of the sheep and the goats found in Matthew chapter 25. Here, Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven. Our job is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, so that so this is very important for us to adhere to. Jesus describes that we should clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit the widow and prisoner, and more. All these are actions that we can do in our everyday life. And he said that when we do these things, it's as if we're doing these unto Jesus. He also describes that people who do not do these actions, he strongly rebukes them. And in this parable, the only difference between the two is on what people did or did not do. It's their actions. The parable is talking about how to live as a way to bring God's kingdom to earth. The best way to reveal God's love to the world, or evangelism, is through how we live on a regular basis. Jesus also instructs us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Therefore, in order to best present the gospel, we need to work on loving ourselves well. In my experience, I needed to go through some important therapy counseling and healing in order to love myself better. I had many unhealthy views of myself, and some of this is because of poorly taught Christian principles that I was drawn to. There's much careless teaching and worship song lyrics that wrongfully emphasize that we are scum, that we're broken, that we're inherent, inherently evil, terrible, and disgusting by nature. I spent years stuck in, an, in a mindset that made me think of myself this way because of my sin. I always had shame and I second-guessed myself because of sin all the time. I liked myself enough, but I didn't love myself like Jesus loved me. This is how it is often communicated in the church very poorly. It can go something like this. You're born sinful, even before you could think you're bad and wrong by default. You're a sinful-natured person, and the only way that God can love you is if he kills his son. And then every time you sin, it's just as if you're nailing the spikes into Jesus' wrists again. Don't sin because you're killing Jesus over and over when you do. But you're destined to sin. But keep on trying not to sin, otherwise God will be sad. Now, love yourself. God loves you as much as you love yourself. Now love others as much as you love yourself, even though you're so flawed and evil. And tell everyone else how evil they are and that they need Jesus to save them. But make sure they know that they're wrong and sinners and while they're realizing how sinful they are, they have to love others to the degree that they love themselves. Even though they're daily crucifying Jesus over and over again because of the make mistakes they make. Now make others feel loved even though you're so disappointed in yourself. You see, over the years, this can compound in your memory, in your mind, and then it becomes pretty hard to love yourself 
because of really poorly taught doctrine on sin. It's a very poor representation of Jesus that gets communicated through our words. There is a doctrine of sin that is true, but the doctrine of unconditional love, forgiveness, and acceptance by our Creator is a lens that must be used to view and interpret the doctrine of sin. In my experience, there are many Christians that need healing in this area. Now for me, having come on the other side of this, I find that I'm able to love others way better than before. I didn't understand properly that I was fully loved by God just as I am. I had too much emphasis on my, on my sin nature. That affected how I loved others because I didn't really love myself very well. Because I was always being told that I was sinful. Yes, I do sin, but I'm not crucifying Jesus every time. I'm already loved. Preparation for sharing the gospel must include work on ourselves so that we can truly love ourselves and be at peace with ourselves and able to give yourself the grace that Jesus has already given us. There are so many tools out there to help us heal and to help us have less fear and anxiety and help us become more self-aware, to help us be more sensitive to others, to help us like ourselves. I believe that careful training for evangelism in today's age is to heal ourselves first so that we can truly love ourselves. God has healed me much because I've spent time and effort on learning how to be healed inside myself. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. For me, evangelism starts with the framework that says, This person is loved completely, just as they are, and they were created in love. How can I love them now? I think that rather than thinking, are they saved yet? It's a point of where you start. And that starting point affects how you treat the person in very important ways. Love your, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Work on, your, on loving yourself fully. This will truly change how you love others. And then, love others. Each day, set an intention to love others as best you can. This way, you'll be bringing the kingdom of God to your daily interactions. This is meaningful evangelism in today's age. Since God is love, share and communicate love. This way, you're helping people see God in tangible ways when words don't have much meaning anymore. If there's one message that I could leave you all with and pray about and think about on your own, it's this. Spend time and energy on carefully working to heal yourself through God's love for you. Ask Jesus how to love yourself better so that you can love others better. Ask God what needs to be healed in yourself and then work on it with tons of grace for yourself. This will enable you to more appropriately bring God's kingdom to earth and more appropriately represent the gospel message. Convincing arguments just don't work very well anymore. It just sounds like a conspiracy. There is a time and place for all sorts of ways to communicate the gospel. But in general, our actions speak louder than words. When I'm working in the youth house, I truly feel God's love in the room when I'm loving one of our guests to the best of my ability. When they're feeling loved, they're feeling something that feels so refreshing, foreign, and good. This awakens their desire to seek what is good and loving. This desire will lead them to finding Jesus as we continue to reveal God's love in this world. So those are my thoughts on evangelism, my experience with evangelism over the years, and how I do evangelism now. And I feel so better in loving other people now because I love myself better. I really encourage you, spend time in prayer. Jesus, 
how can I be healed more so that I love myself more and I can love others better? I hope this message is a blessing to you, an encouragement to you. I'd be happy to talk more about anything. Um, Pastor Grant knows how, how to get a hold of me. Also, you can get a hold of me too. My email is calvin at youthunlimited.com or hopefully we'll see each other around town and maybe even in person soon. Thank you, everybody. I love you all. Goodbye. You're just like bursting out loud in the middle of the on campus, but it's a great way to do that. But this is a time to actually interact, and a big one too, Calvin. If you are watching, thank you so much for that testimony and sharing. Oh yeah, yeah, really powerful message. Yeah, it was gut level and personal, wasn't it? So I'm wondering immediately, do you have any re response or any thoughts on what Calvin shared this morning? And while you're thinking about that, because I know that takes time to process a little bit. Uh, I want to remind you of what Doug has already mentioned, and that is next Sunday. We are meeting in person again, as usual, through the summer. But from this point onward, we're hoping to do it live worship and live preaching, depending on what the PHO guidelines offer us. As you have experienced this morning, that is a discretion call to wear a mask or not. For whatever reason, our PHO is giving us permission to gather for worship on Sunday mornings at this time and making that decision for ourselves. Next week, we will be adding the barbecue and the game time after the service, and we would invite everyone to come back for that. And depending on the weather, we might be eating in here, or we might be eating out there if the weather is nice. Either way, it probably is useful to pack a, a lawn chair of some sort, uh, just in case we're out there, or you're welcome to take one of these out next Sunday if that's helpful. So just that little informational piece to recap. But any, any thoughts, any uh, response to what you've heard this morning? And I'm going to, uh, as, as sort of a service to each other, I'll come to you with a microphone so everyone can hear. Well, we'll start with this, too. This is wrapping up our summer series on evangelism, sharing the gospel, and getting out of our comfort zone. And actually, uh, Calvin listed a bunch of different ways that he experienced, a lot of ways that were quite negative, which we actually have a bad history of. But I'd say the biggest one, can anyone relate to Calvin's story this morning? Having grown mm. up in the church, having tried different ex like evangelistic methods, having been a recipient of those methods too. I have. I've had a few door knocks with some tracts handed to me. Yeah, you don't have to put up your hand, nod, whatever, if you're feeling it too. Yeah. What did you think then, if, if you're not going to answer that, that's fine. What did you think of the connection between... Uh, loving yourself and sharing the love of God. And Calvin's need to process that through therapy based on some of the teaching he'd received. It's super personal. You may have had that experience yourselves, and you don't have to reveal that because that is personal, but maybe there's something you can respond to there. Uh, yeah, you can use this. Attached to a cord. I think uh, as as men, that's a really hard thing to process, mm -hmm. for sure. I think women do a much better job in general of understanding when they need help or if they're struggling with something. So as a man, yeah, for sure, that's you have to understand your flaws and your weaknesses and be willing to acknowledge them and find somebody that you can kind of challenge yourself and work through it too. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Justin. Rob, I'm trying to think here of a real application. And what's standing in my mind a lot is really taking Calvin's example and going through 
things that we've been taught or experiences we've had in our lives of essentially I think it'd be worth actually taking a look at our experience if, if especially if you grew up with the church or your first experiences with faith and things that you have experienced or have been taught that could be damaging to people without considering their worldview their sense of self their understanding of church and God and a little bit of you know this isn't a time to go on Facebook and repent and everything but a time to actually reflect like what have I done what have I learned yeah and because of this whole series what's an application that we could actually take out of this morning right is there a way to word that maybe better you're good at that giving oh i think you've done a good job there yeah to examine anything that you've been taught measure that against what calvin has said this morning or other things you're reading or learning there might be a need for you to actually go back and repent and say i'm really sorry to someone who you may have come too hard down on what i really liked about calvin's message was that principally the message, if we're sharing it at all, and it has to be supported by our actions, otherwise it's a credibility issue, is love. Starting first with, you're going to hell? Oh my goodness. Super not effective. Yeah, Calvin defined evangelism. Kind of, it's simple but full that revealing God's love to the world is evangelism, right? It's, it's, it it's, is, and I would argue that it's a little bit more than just being saved and forgiven from hell. I would argue that it yeah. is an invitation to kingdom, a different kind of kingdom. Not the kingdom that we would understand day in, day out, but a kingdom of love, a kingdom that is marked by consideration for others, not by bitterness and infighting and division, but of unity and trying to understand the other person and speaking the truth in love. Like that's. Isn't that the kind of kingdom we want to be a part of? And so in our evangelism, I think, even there, how we share the gospel, as Calvin defined it, or as we're sort of defining it even now, I think that's we want to be a part of, that kind of kingdom. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Hi, I didn't actually grow up that way, but I can't help but think of uh, like the, the main commandment, which is love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you love yourself conditionally, which is what it sounds like, then you end up loving your neighbor conditionally. And do we see that? In, do we see that in the church? You know. So I guess the invitation is to love ourselves unconditionally under God, so that we can follow through with the main command, which was. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Conditionally, that's a huge one. I, direct example I can say is the amount of times I've put together a outreach event or outreach program or whatever, and we expect you know people to come and then get involved in the community, and either that doesn't happen or they don't even show up or they don't interact in the way that you know I've planned on my paper for a good outreach event to happen, and then suddenly it becomes like, oh, am I outreaching conditionally? Am I trying to love our neighbors and the community around here conditionally because are they interacting? And that's not the point, right? We should be able to open up the doors, pour out everything we've got, and it's for the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives and us to continue loving. I can't reach that far. And you know the difference when you love yourself well, you'll import that, right? So if you are judgmental of yourself all the time, you're going to import that into your other relationships, I think, is what Kevin's saying partly. Okay, from Prince George. From Prince George, yeah. Uh, One thing that, that I heard, and it's just... We, we also don't want to diminish our sinful nature to, to an extent, because if we diminish the extent to what sin is in our lives, we, we diminish what, what Jesus actually did on the cross and the price he paid for it, right? And we don't try or strive to be good to achieve, achieve that salvation, but because that gift was freely given, right? And so if we, if we try and take away our sin or we diminish what it is, we've diminished that gift of what Jesus has given us. And that is also an important part of it. And uh, I'm a people pleaser. So I definitely tend to be more just love, love, love. And sometimes I wonder if I'm saying enough. Um, But I think a thing too is just remembering evangelism. If we're doing it right, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to love us. And that everybody's going to come to believe in God. Like, we, people hate sin. They don't want to believe that they have sin too. So even if you are being gentle and, and 
I mean, there's no way to really be gentle about sin and people don't want to hear it. So also like using our actions, definitely, but also being aware that, that God calls us to tell people too. And it's not a very happy thing. It, it, I mean, it's a happy thing believing that God came and, and, you know, forgave us, but not everyone's always going to respond nicely and it doesn't mean you failed. Yeah, we should expect pushback and we should expect resentment for it too. Jesus said they hated him first, right? And then were his followers. So Rob, I think at this point, like this is exactly the kind of dialogue and experiences and sometimes difference of observations and stories and opinions to that come up and chat with us, chat with each other about what you're experiencing. But this is exactly it, right? This is what we want Sunday mornings to be about is just a starting point to go into the rest of your week with your families and coworkers and friends and everything uh, wrestling with making this applicable to our life. So thanks so much. And uh, I think, yeah. We'll see you Shall next I week. close in prayer then? Let's, sure, let's close in prayer. Let's Would you? do that. Okay. So, Father, thanks for these reminders this morning. Thanks for the work you've done in Calvin's life. And help us to, as we were just reminded by our friends uh, from Prince George, to um, understand that sin is, is what hurts us. And it's, it's a problem to solve. And that you have solved it and invited us into forgiveness and into kingdom. But the first thing that we would say and the first thing that you offer, of course, is love. So help us to find that sweet balance of being able to say something about sin that is offensive on its own without being offensive in saying it. And, and understanding that, yep, it will have pushback and it will have doors slammed on people's faces. It will have its own reaction. Help us... And we're not going to get this perfect all this time because we never do anything perfect. That's why we're glad for your grace and your spirit to help us along. Help us to not be the barrier. Help us to not be one more boulder, to borrow Calvin's metaphor, in a person's life because we have said something that's been super hurtful, not even necessarily gospel. Help us to be clear then. So I really like what Pastor Grant has asked us to consider today. Help us to sort through and look at how we've been sharing this story. And maybe even say it out loud to ourselves to hear it, to wonder if, if this would be an attractive story if we were hearing it for the first time. This story, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for us, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. It is essential for this life and next. And we just pray that our friends and family who don't know this would know it, would know that they are dearly loved enough that their creator would pay that price for their salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.